Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Nurse Leader Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Racinos. And today we're going to be talking about something that I believe is very timely. We are in the midst of COVID-19 and many states and cities um, in the world have hit their peak or are coming down off their peak. But we know that this peak wasn't a one-time event and that we are likely going to be riding this COVID-19 throughout the next year, at least until we have a vaccine. And so I think it's really important as nurse leaders for us to begin to think about how do we promote resilience in those we see oversee. So for our staff, for our nursing students, for our communities, what can we do as a nurse leader to really impact that? And so today I've brought on Lynn McWright and Teresa Walding of Advancing Nurse Coaching. And they're going to talk to us about how can we really help foster resilience and what is a nurse coach anyways? So Welcome, Lynn and Teresa. Thank you. So before we get started, why don't we talk a little bit about what you did and how what's led you each to become uh, a nurse coach? Let's start with Lynn. Well, I was really pleased and very fortunate to actually have a private practice of nursing in Monterey back in 1986. And I was doing exactly what I'm doing now which is teaching uh, people about resilience. At that time, however, I described it as stress resolution and prevention. So the terminology has changed a bit. Uh, What I'm doing has not. We found better ways to share this, and that's how it happened that we opened our school four years ago on three continents, a continuing education program through the Board of Nursing State of California. Well, for me, nurse coaching seemed to be like the next step in my career. Um, in October of 2015, I we had a guest speaker at our national or Central Texas conference on um, resilience, and he was talking about, you know, how thought works and how we create our life. And at the time, I was going through quite a bit of stress in my life. And what he was talking about seemed to be like the natural progression of my my journey as a nurse. And we realized, both Lynn and I realized, that nurse coaching was now available. It was brand new. It had only been around for about three years. And we wanted to bring this information to nursing through nurse coaching. So we both took a, a coaching program and started that in January of 2016 and opened the school in June of 2016. And here we are today, four years later almost, um, before years in June, and that we'd made the absolute right choice in being able to bring resilience to nurses through nurse coaching. It's a perfect fit for what nurses do every single day. Wow. Well, I'm going to start off by saying that I am amazed that you were able to open that up in six months. That's like a huge accomplishment. So bravo on that. Um, I have a couple questions. So Lynn, you you mentioned that you started off in stress resolution and prevention and moved towards resilience. 
Could you define resilience and what the difference between the two um, resilience and stress resolution and prevention might be? Right. Well, I think it has to do with the evolution of us as human beings. And when people think about stress, they often think about coping mechanisms and and ways to handle their stress. Uh, We didn't even have stress until Dr. Hans Selye brought that word to us in in 1971. Um, I asked one of my professors one time, what did you have before we had stress? And she said, well, I think we were just sick and tired. <laughs> so it's it's even even that terminology is something that that's still relatively new on the planet. But it's it's not served us very well because what I'm talking about now is the same thing that I've been talking about since 30 years ago, and we haven't made much progress. So resilience really speaks to something that is much more robust and gives us the opportunity to see that we actually create our stress through the way that we look at our lives, the way that we use our thought, our power of thought. And resilience is an interesting thing. The best definition that I ever have come up with is Dr. Blevins' definition, which is defined by what it's not. Resilience is not being bound by circumstances or the past. So do you think, you know, I hear a term frequently, which is like, I grew up in foster care. And so for for me, resilience is a word that I've heard since I started my life in foster care. And, you know, I've heard it thrown around where people are born resilient. There's some, if you look at the people that, you know, come out of foster care and have done well or not, there's because they're born resilient or the nurses that are able to get through pandemics or, you know, have struggles, they're born resilient. What do you think about that? I think that that that's misinformation. There actually was a um, an author by the name of Marilyn Bauman, B-O-W-M-A-N, who studied over 500 um, examples of research that had been done looking at individual, the title of her book is Individual Differences in post-traumatic response. Well, the subtitle is even more interesting, which is problems with the adversity distress connection. And the problem is that there's no connection between adversity and distress. And she had some real interesting studies, surveys, um, research examples, like comparing paraplegics, for example, to lottery winners. Who was happier? Well, it depended on who you were. It didn't have anything to do with the external circumstances. So what we're seeing now is that we are the thinker. It's our power of thought that creates our reality. And that reality shifts and changes moment by moment because none of us actually live in the past. we That's where regret and Rumination belong. But when we go into the future, it's equally um, at a loss because anxiety is in the future and we can't live in the future. The only moment that we actually can live in is the present moment. And when we're in that present moment fully, there is no anxiety. There is no regret. 
we when we live fully in that present moment, we don't make medication errors. When we live in fully in that moment, we're paying attention to the person that's right in front of us. It might be our child, our family member. It might be um, the chief nurse executive. Whomever is in our field at that moment in time is the most important person in our life. That's really interesting. It makes me kind of feel um, like I can go back and I can remember times where that was true, right? So with all of this, these things that are happening in COVID, I've done a huge stint in terms of working every day, including weekends. And the most, and, and then at home, I have my kids. So my kids are not in school and they're at home. And in the middle of everything, I can go back to times where I was sitting in a command center and I had a lot of important things going on. But in that very moment, it was exactly where my attention was. And so it wasn't anywhere else or anybody else. It was exactly what I was doing in that moment. So I can see, I can see what you mean by that. It makes sense. Oh, thanks. Yeah, Chris, it, it's been such a joy to be able to bring this to people worldwide. I, I mean, the opportunity that we have now to actually realize that w- the old paradigm that we've been living in is, is really backwards and that we we truly live our lives from the inside out. Our circumstances have no control over what we think. Nothing can control what we think, not the past, not anxiety about the future, not your mother, not your father, not your your um, supervisor. It's our thought in the moment that creates our reality now. Do you think it's harder for people who who maybe categorize themselves or, you know, they just it's just a fact that they have had maybe like more bad things happen to them than the average person, do you think it's harder for them to get present in the moment? Or do you think that that's not a huge factor? It's just kind of, you know, utilizing the techniques to, to be more present. There, there are no techniques and, and there are no tools. It's simply a matter of realizing that this is the truth about the way that human humans work, that it's always worked this way and that it, there's never been a, a different way that it did work. We're only just now recognizing that these are the principles about how life does work. And that was stated as long ago as uh, 1890 by William James, the father of American psychology. He basically said that, that there would be principles discovered which would bring psychology into a science and that science would be the most beneficial to all of humanity. Wow, that's powerful. So, okay, so I have a question. This is kind of looking at it on the flip side of this. So we'll get into what those principles are and, and really talk about that in a minute. But I'm interested in um, playing the devil's advocate here. What do you think in our nursing profession, especially amidst a pandemic or times of stress, what are the things that you see that contribute to um, stress, burnout, feelings of overwhelm, the, the opposite of resilience? What are some of the things that we're doing that we might not even realize we're doing that are contributing to that? Teresa? 
So when the pandemic came to my hospital, you know, we'd been watching it on TV for a while and we knew that we were going to get cases eventually. And I had a lot of thinking about that. And I had a lot of fearful thinking, like, what if I get it? What if my family gets it? What if my coworkers get it? How will we take care of people? And it felt very overwhelming. And then at, at some point, probably a few hours later, I realized I was creating a lot of what if scenarios. What if this? What if that? And actually, in reality, I was living in, in some stress, but none of it was real. I had created that through my personal use of thought, and I was living in the feeling of those thoughts. And I called Lynn and I was like, I don't really know what to do with this right now because this feels different. This feels real. Like this is life or death here for some people. And, you know, we didn't know a lot of information then. We didn't have a lot of PPE, you know, the personal protective equipment. They were rationing masks. And I walked in the hospital and I just felt like there was danger everywhere. And the next day after I slept on it, I woke up and I was like, you are as safe now as you've ever been. Nothing has happened except for you let your thoughts run away with you. And I remember sitting at my little desk in recovery room and I was thinking, well, you know, I've always been able to handle whatever comes to this place and I'll handle whatever comes next for me. And as it's turned out, that was uh, seven weeks ago. And we started flexing in and out of different schedules. Sometimes my schedule would change three or four times a day as we began to make preparations at our hospital for our very first COVID patient. And I really have to say in hindsight, you know, at the time it felt very uncomfortable, didn't know what was happening. There was a lot of communication errors or, you know, people weren't getting all of the messages. But in the final analysis here, we've done an excellent job at preparing for what comes next. And now all there is to do is live in this moment and know that whatever comes this way, I will take care of it with my thought in the moment, like you were just talking about, whatever comes next. That's all anyone has ever been able to do. And I've found joy in the midst of the stress, being able to connect with my coworkers in ways that we haven't in a really long time and getting to know new people that I've never seen. And the, and the COVID is still here. We still have patients, but we're managing, in my opinion, much better than I thought we would. What would you say for a nurse who maybe was in your similar position, right? Her hospital or his hospital is preparing. Um, they're getting this information, but there came a point, right, in I know at least, you know, a handful of stories where the, the PPE actually ran out, right? So I saw nurses who were in trash bags and staff that really didn't have masks, you know, to really protect them. So for the nurse that was in that scenario, well, what do you think they could do um, 
to be more present or, you know, just to like, what would next steps be? If you're sitting there in that moment, what, what is a nurse to do? I think the only thing you can do is protect yourself the best you can and do the job the best you can. You know, if, if we want to start doing the what ifs, we know that thought in the moment is not included in those decisions. We can plan, you know, if a trash bag was all I had, then that's what I would do. I actually heard a story from uh, a couple years ago when Ebola was, was really big. There was an interview with a young lady whose parents had Ebola and all she had was trash bags to cover herself to take care of them. And she did not get it. And I think nurses are incredibly resilient and incredibly inventive. You know, we've been doing things like building hoods to go over the anesthesia tables for when people are being intubated and extubated. We're building um, covers to cover the patients when they wake up so that they can cough and be protected themselves and us. And I think whatever we have to do, these are uncommon times. Be creative, figure out what you can do. The virus isn't going away. We know that. But our thoughts about it are what will either allow us to be creative or allow us to sink back into to what Lynn was just talking about, the fear and regret and being less resilient in that state. Because our, we know that our thoughts can carry us away to all kinds of places. But when, you, when push comes to shove, I think we do the very best that we can with what we have. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be looking for other options. It's just whatever's in front of us, we need to be as safe as we can. But our own mental health will actually dictate what solutions come to us. If we begin to run and, you know, it gets scary and thoughts just become pressured and pretty soon you can't think clearly and then you, you don't know what to do, you can't think of new solutions from that, that perspective. But becoming present in the moment to what's next, that's, that's where resilience is. You know, how does the mother know how to lift the car off the child? She doesn't think about it. She just says, you know, there's my child. I have to do something. And that's the thing that comes to her. And, you know, somehow she's able to do it. We all have that within us. It's available to everyone. And I understand when we get tired and, you know, overwhelmed. And, you know, I'm on a long stretch of work here myself, you know, getting up at five in the morning or six in the morning or nine o'clock at night going to work, it gets exhausting. And at some points you feel like you're not resilient. And then today I was sitting screening and I was feeling tired and a little bit like, oh, what, you know, is this all there is? And then all of a sudden I thought, but I'm exactly where I need to be. And opportunities to help people showed up. It's, it's a very interesting thing. I, I absolutely love it. I um, just 
I, I mean, I've been in those positions where I'm sitting there and, and then it just kind of hits you. How, what can a nurse do or what can a nurse leader do? Um, you know, Lynn talked about the, some principles to being present. What? How do we become more present? What do we do? Are there, wh- what exactly is it that, that we can do to become more present? One of the things that we, we talk about is, you know, what is, what are the principles, number one? We probably should define those at this point. And the principles are mind, thought, and consciousness. They are, we consider those elements that can never be separated, are always present, and are always supporting us. So thought, thought is, is our power of thought. In all actuality, thought is neutral. It doesn't care what it thinks. It's when we put our personal mind and attention on a thought, that's when it comes to life. That's when it shows up in the world for others to see, for you to experience. Consciousness is our awareness that we think. It's it's part of our senses. You know, it includes our eyes and our nose and our touch and all of those that help us to experience thought. You know, we have information that comes to us through consciousness, such as, you know, maybe bad vibes. We all know what those feel like, you know, little hairs on our neck rise. They make us aware that something is maybe not right. Some people call it a gut feeling. That's our consciousness that's bringing to our awareness hey, I better pay attention to this. And then you will have thoughts about that. And mind is the all-knowing. Some people call it God, divine, intelligence behind everything. It's what's really running the show. It's what helps an acorn grow into a tree. You know, the acorn has everything it needs to grow into a giant oak tree. Us humans are no different. We have inside us everything that we need to become whatever we want to. We get to use our personal mind, which is our intellect, to create our life. And we have access to it 24-7. Wow, that's... I think some people that are listening in really, really needed to just hear that. Because I think a lot of us think that, you know, we see others and we maybe make mental maps or mind maps that say they got there because of whatever, right? Fill in the blank because it's of gender, because of people liking them, because of blah, blah, blah. But you just said that nothing, that what happens to us, where we go, what where our life goes is based on what we have in us and and we can do what we want to do. And so I think a lot of people needed to hear that. And so I wanted to say thank you for clarifying that and reminding people of that. Because I think it's absolutely true. How would you, you mentioned in, as you described the three different principles or the three pieces of it. Um, how would you recommend or what would we do if we, you know, we have our consciousness. So we're aware of a thought Um if our thoughts are, we're, you know, it's going down the negative path, how, how do you become aware of that, number one? And then how, what do you do to change it? Well, the hallmark of 
going down, quote, the negative path is a busy mind. We start blaming people, circumstances, things for the way that we feel. We start what my husband calls game playing, you know, acting out in our mind what what may or may not happen. Um, Those are hallmarks of the negative aspects of life, I guess, or just a, a reminder that that doesn't mean anything about us. We can have those, I'm sorry, those thoughts and not pay attention to them. It's what we put our attention on is what we experience. You cannot have a thought without a feeling. You can't have a feeling without a thought. They go hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin. So if we're going down the, quote, negative path, if we can recognize that it's our thought creating that, we can actually sit with a negative thought or feeling and it will pass. It has to because thoughts don't stop. They just come. We don't know what they're going to be next. We never know what we will think in the next moment. So if you want to talk about trying to get out of the negative thinking, become present. Focus on what's in front of you now. You know, I can have a whole conversation in my head right in my living room with my husband and the TV on. (laughs) And no one will know that I'm having it. It's true. And when you find out you're doing that and you ask your husband a question and you start a conversation, you've just become present. So you can change your thought by changing your attention. But you don't know what it's going to be. Now, you can think about things, but it doesn't become a reality until you bring it so. So if we we were to have anything, it's the recognition or the intuition that you're, you're letting your thoughts run away with you. And they're not real because they're not in the present moment. You're... You're bringing it in your thoughts, but it hasn't come into your awareness yet. And I know people talk about they have so many things on their mind. There's so many things to do. One of our students calls that she's her own pressure cooker. She's the one creating the stress by thinking she has to pay attention to 500 thoughts at the same time. That's true. And I I was in a training I don't remember how, not very long ago, a couple of, I want to say within the last five years or something like that. And um, I'll never forget what, I don't even remember what the topic of the the training was, but I do remember that the person giving the training said, um, you'll never, nobody talks as bad about you as you talk about yourself. That's right. And so I was like, for, for I had a, I listened to that and then that's why I probably don't remember what the training was because it was so profound to me and I was sitting there thinking like I don't talk negative about myself and then I sat there and was like hold on let me just assess this really quick before it and it, and I realized it's really it's true for for everybody it's just the things you hear other people say I think it's really true and so um recognizing that you have the ability to change that and you know it'll change the way you're feeling in in that effort to change what you're telling yourself um you know i think people don't recognize how um important and and how much of a game changer it is it really is yeah 
It's not an effort because it's a, a misperception, a misunderstanding in the first place. And so when we actually realize that through insight, there's no sweat, there's no effort. It's simply coming into alignment with the way that life works, coming into alignment with the the principles of of how how life is created. It might be good to talk about separate realities here. Lynn, do you want to do that? Well, just to say that each of us has our own way of, of looking at life. And in spite of how I might want to influence your thinking, I really can't do that because we have separate ways of looking at life. And when we can recognize that, there will literally be no bullying because it's not not only not possible to convince someone of what you're thinking, but because we understand that they do have separate realities, it's all we truly can do is, is come to a neutral place with the other person and understand that they can't have my thoughts and I can't have theirs. So let's come to a meeting of the minds where we understand what each other is thinking and respect that. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes sense even outside of the workplace, right? It makes sense with families and feuds and all of those kind of anywhere oh. you see conflict. <laughs> oh, yes. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so what, what could a nurse leader do to help their staff become more present? What are, is there anything that we can do to help foster this? Well, I think that's where nurse coaching comes in. Um, nursing is actually the only profession that now offers a national board certification for coaching. And nurse coaching certified has only been around for the past seven years. It's through the American Holistic Nurses Certification Corporation. And it's uh, recognized by the American Nurses Certification Corporation, and it is magnet approved so that hospitals that are looking at magnet recognition can have nurses who are trained as nurse coaches working on their staff. In fact, the NIH study shows that 25% of nurse coaches are working in a hospital setting, 25% are self-employed, and the other 50% work wherever nurses work. That could be a school, a clinic, um, a midwifery, um, any place where nurses work. So the thing about nurse coaching is that it fits into all clinical areas. What exactly does a nurse coach do? So let's say we have some listeners that are just kind of like either A, I want to improve this in my staff because I know that it'll improve patient safety, satisfaction, my staff's well-being. Um, what can, um, what, what do nurse coaches do in that area and or, you know, self-employed or what, what do they do? What, what have you seen nurse coaches do? Well, and, and it improves um, retention of nurses in an institutional setting as well. Oh, wow. The way, the way that it lo- looks is that 70% of the nurses who have taken nurse coaching coursework and become certified say that they have improved job satisfaction. 
80 percent say say that they have improved interpersonal relationships and 85 percent say that they have improved personal health wow okay so now i'm going to get personal lynn and Teresa, you guys are both nurse coaches would you guys agree with those statements yes absolutely absolutely <laughs> sign me up where do i become a nurse coach <laughs> yeah, it's an it's an eighty hour CE program and then um, sixty hours of coaching practicum to qualify to sit for the exam. Okay, for for nurse coaches who work independently, do they um, like what does it look like? Do they take insurance? Do they do like cash pay? What kind of services do they offer? Well, for those who are advanced practice nurses and licensed by the state where they're working, they can get reimbursement uh, through third party. Um, other nurse coaches uh, were, for example, many states are compact states. Nurse coaches can work anywhere within that compact state area that they're licensed in. Most of um, our nurse coaches are accepting well, self-pay, absolutely, but also the um, yeah, health savings accounts. They can use health savings accounts, right. Oh, okay, okay. And then um, you said that there's nurse coaches that work in, like, schools. And what are those – what would a day in the life of those type of nurse coaches look like? What would they be – what is their overall goal? You know, it's really interesting. Um, school is out. You know, uh, schools are happening online now, and the nurse coaches are are not working. But one of our nurse coaches is working with her upper-level faculty and administration on bringing a program of resilience to the students at her school. And they're going to be doing that online. Oh, wow. That's I wish my kids went to that school. That's awesome. I love it. Okay, so if uh, if um, somebody was interested, what would their next step be? Let's say I'm a, a registered nurse, I'm at the bedside, or I'm a nurse leader, and I'm just looking to do something different or for a change, or this just sounds really interesting. What is the next step? Well, the easiest way to find us, we're, we are by name Advancing Nurse Coaching, but our our website is the easiest way to find us. And that's very simple. Just two words, nursecoaching.com. Okay. Awesome. Great. Well, I mean, it's been a really great episode. I, I really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing um, everything around how we could become more present, how that impacts your resiliency. Um, really appreciated how you shared what nurse coaches do and, and just how important of a role they have, especially during the time of a pandemic. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just really thankful for everything that you guys have done for everybody who's listening today. Oh, thank you, Chris, for having us. It's been wonderful to be here with you today. Truly appreciate right. it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you.